Duckling. Well, he's gone to rest in the, uh, the Sleepy Time Kingdom. It's a big castle with soft walls and uh, magic potions that are gonna make him feel all better, okay? So, say goodbye, Frederick. Goodbye, Frederick! Yay! Let's rock. Thanks, Dad. Can I get a woman? No Man Presents, live from the Nudie Bar, the Married with Children Podcast. Welcome back to the Married with Children Podcast. Hi, this is Luigi. Remember, kids, don't be a budrick, be a good Rick. <laughs> Hi everyone, this is Chris, and all I can say about this episode is forgive and forget. And I'm Kermit the Frog. No, I'm kidding. I'm Steven. <laughs> we need to hurry this up, guys, because I, I just got my copy of Curious George Converse to Judaism, and I can't wait to read about it. <laughs> <laughs> Today we are reviewing Season 11, Episode 18, A Babe in Toyland. Original air date, March 17th, 1997. So this aired on St. Patrick's Day in 1997. When Kelly becomes successful on a kid's television show, she becomes a total bitch and control freak. Her manager, Bud, decides Princess Kelly should be taught a lesson she will not forget. Meanwhile, Al tries to avoid sharing a bed with Peg by sawing off half their bed as she is tempted to have sex with him in the bed. Director, Jerry Cohen. Writers, Valerie Ahern and Christian McLaughlin. Special guest stars, Brendan Maggart as Uncle Dudley. Blair Barron as Jordan. Richard Israel as Courtchester. Richard Taylor Olson as Bobby Beaver. And Lucky the Dog as Lucky the Dog. I also want to point out that in this episode, neither Amanda Burse or Ted McGinley appear. Well, yeah, that's right. I, I forgot that that happened. Yeah, that's a major, um, uh, yeah, they, were, they were greatly missed, I'll put it that way. The title to this episode is a nod to Babes in Toyland, a Laurel and Hardy musical Christmas film released on November 30th, 1934. The film is also known by the alternative titles Laurel and Hardy in Toyland, Revenge is Sweet, and March of the Wooden Soldiers, a shortened 73-minute abridged version based on Victor Herbert's popular 1903 operetta Babes in Toyland. The film was produced by Hal Roach, directed by Gus Mines and Charles Rogers and distributed by Metro-Goldwyn-Mayer. The film was originally printed in sepia tone, but there are two colorized versions available. Although the 1934 film makes use of many of the characters in the original play, as well as several of the songs, the plot is almost completely unlike that of the original stage production. In contrast to the stage version, the film's story takes place entirely in Toyland, which is inhabited by Mother Goose, played by Virginia Carnes, and other well-known fairy tale characters. Now, this episode is going to air on November 16th of 2022, so that is going to be very close to Thanksgiving. And growing up, I'll say, is 
March of the Wooden Soldiers, as uh, Babes in Toyland is usually known uh, to American audiences, would play on Thanksgiving. To me, it was like a tradition. So I don't know if you guys would catch that on Thanksgiving as well. When I was a little kid, yes. But probably stopped around the age of eight or nine, maybe ten. Same here. But I remember it was a tradition. Like on Thanksgiving, generally, you would see... Uh, March of the Wooden Soldiers, you'd also see It's a Wonderful Life and a couple of other uh, staples of the uh, Christmas season, including like uh, Miracle on 34th Street, for example. Uh, And my all-time favorite, A Christmas Carol. Yes, absolutely. Uh, Alistair Sim version, 1951, right? Bingo! Best one ever. Absolutely. All right, so we're getting into the Christmas spirit here on the Married with Children podcast. And it's almost Halloween. (laughs) Well, yeah, on our uh, recording date, it's almost Halloween. But uh, this will be Thanksgiving. And uh, I mean, if you mark your calendars, we're going to be finishing up the Married with Children podcast, (laughs) at least season 11, (laughs) uh, by the end of the year. So uh, it's bittersweet, but we're we're getting there. It's hard to believe. It's hard to believe we're at the end here. I have two more to produce, two more episodes to produce. Same here, besides this one. So, I mean, before we get into the episode, just wanted to get some maybe overall reactions to the episode, I guess, without giving away too much of the score, uh, our scores. Now, one thing I will say is that this episode felt very close in plot to Kelly Does Hollywood. Except that one was good. Yeah, (laughs) I I, I definitely will say that. One of the things in interviews with Ed O'Neill if you've watched, you know, I've watched over the years is, you know, he said that I think by the time they got to the 11th season, the writers would come to him and he said that it's like, hey, didn't we do that already? Or didn't we do that? And that's like one of the things we're starting to see. I mean, there's a little bit of repetition. Uh, Kelly does Hollywood, I thought was very funny, but um, this one doesn't really have very memorable jokes, you know, and even not too many references. I mean, if anything, it's almost like a kid's take on a Married with Children episode. Like, in other words, the you know the, yeah. the Uncle Dudley's playground, but it was almost like brought down to that level, as opposed to being a uh, a show that's brought up to the level of Married with Children. I don't know. What did you think about that? Yeah, totally. I, I yeah. totally agree with everything. I mean, if you think about it, this would be like a th- this almost felt like a G-rated episode of Married with Children. There there really weren't very many sexual references. <laughs> I mean, at least oh. none that, like, well, there, there were, but at least none that like a five-year-old would get, put it that way. <laughs> you know what I mean? Probably. <laughs> but I, I thought there were some sexual jokes. I was going to bring up some of my observations, but, yeah, you know, it was a, they weren't trying to be kid-friendly, I believe. I just thought it wasn't a good episode. You know, last week when we were doing live nude peg, with uh, Stefan and Tyler, I did the outro saying that tune in next week for a possible drunken podcast crew reviewing a babe in Toyland. Because originally <laughs> we were going to do that. But <laughs> I think we're going to save the drinking for Chicago Shoe Exchange. So <laughs> uh, maybe that's a better way of ending the, uh, ending the series. But anyway, uh, let's get started. So this being season 11, we have a cold opening and Al and Peg are on the couch. You know, Al, I think I want to get a TV in the bedroom. 
Good idea, Peg. Then we'll install a fridge in the nightstand. You won't need legs at all. You know, if body parts fell off because of lack of use, you'd be a Ken doll. So we start out with this joke where Peg says that she wants a TV in the bedroom. Now, that's interesting. I mean, through 11 seasons, you would have thought that Peg would have had a TV in the bedroom, but she never did. Yeah, and most married couples do have a TV in the bedroom. That's right. Yep. Hell, most single people have a TV. I have a TV in my bedroom. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. <laughs> Does the TV help you fall asleep? Like a lot of people like put the TV on, you know, just to like and sort of watch it and then sort of almost like you put a timer on and fall asleep watching it. Yeah. Well, you know, this, this is probably going to sound weird, but I'm, I'm really into true crime. So most nights I fall asleep with the forensic files on. <laughs> and you don't have like, don't any nightmares from that? No, no. You know, I think I'm so desensitized to it because I've been into it for so long. I mean, I've read up on every case, every murder you can think of. And uh, plus, the I don't know if you've ever watched the show, but the guy, the narrator has a really soothing voice. <laughs> so mo- most nights I fall asleep to the forensic files. <laughs> well, I guess you would fall asleep to a babe in Toyland because, well, <laughs> it's a true crime isn't it don't you think (laughs) i'm not one that that falls asleep in front of the tv in my bedroom i mean there are times when i'm in my living room i might nod off while watching you know a football game or you know maybe a tv show of some sort that i'm familiar with but uh not in the bedroom in fact i kind of make it a policy of mine that i don't watch I don't watch TV in the bedroom that much. Maybe if I'm cleaning up in there vigorously or, you know, folding laundry or something, yeah, I'll have it on so I can watch the game or something else. But for me, TV goes off right about 10 o'clock because I usually hit the hay about 1030. And I don't want anything to, like, heat me up or anything like that. Yeah, there is something to be said about, like, screen time. They say you definitely Mm -hmm. need to, like, shut it off. It's even more like an hour before you go to bed, but you know, mm-hmm. I guess I guess anything you can do will work. I would, I don't even like to use my phone. Over the last two or three years, I've been trying to wean myself off of it, so because I know that can affect your sleep cycle. So, no phone at, for an hour before bed. I was gonna say my my biggest laugh in the opening joke there was uh, whenever uh, Peg said if. Um, I think she said if body body parts fall off due to lack of use, she would be a Ken doll. <laughs> I got it. I got a good crack out of that. That was pretty. Yeah. Cool. <laughs> yeah. But I feel like that's been recycled. I mean, we've heard similar right. jokes from Peg, right. you know, through the yeah. last 11 seasons. So, yeah, <laughs> you know, I always go back to, I mean, is it fresh? And even though it's funny to me, by the time you're in season 11, it's not fresh anymore. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, going back to one of the phrases you used, uh, Chris, when we first started talking to each other and doing these back in season eight, you know, always said to me, you know, the the, the show ran out of gas. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, I think we, we see, we've seen that so far <laughs> already yeah. 18 episodes in. I mean, there's a lot right. of, a lot right. of, em- a lot of running on empty. <laughs> yeah, no doubt. I mean, to me, you know, I've said this before, I feel like the the midway point of season 10 is where the show started to show signs of running out of gas. And I feel like 
most uh, by, by the point by the time we're in the latter half of season 11 it's like it's running on fumes at this point you know <laughs> yeah i can't remember who it was i was discussing this with in a recent podcast but to me season 11 i still kind of like it better than 10 but here's the thing we're at the point where there's no like okay average shows they're either pretty good or they're really really bad there's no in between in season 11 we're in the latter half of season 11, and that's when the bottom really fell out. You know, we did that big thing last year on uh, Enemies, where we all got together. And then after Enemies was Bud Hits the Books. And I started off that podcast saying, hey, we're past Enemies. It can only get better from here. And that was a really good episode. I really liked Bud Hits the Books. That was Married with Children. I thought there were some pretty good episodes in the latter part of season 10, but when you have that gap there from the middle to about the friends episode it was it was painfully laborious agreed mm -hmm. agreed and now it's really painfully laborious i bet in a way alex and dan and jamie are glad they that they didn't have to sit through these <laughs> yeah th that might have been the master plan that we weren't aware of right <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, the last four seasons weren't necessarily the best. I mean, uh, to be honest with you, I mean, I feel like I would have had a lot more guests uh, talking about seasons three and four. And uh, five. For, for, for example, and five. But, um, mm -hmm. you know, these last four, I mean, I'd say seasons eight and nine weren't that bad. But, you know, Chris, I have to agree with your assessment. Middle of season 10, it just seems like it started to fall apart. And, yeah. you know, and you get a couple of good hits in season 11. I mean, I think we enjoyed... For example, crimes against obesity. Yeah, pretty good. But other than that, you know, I mean, well, I, but, but I mean, I think you, Stephen, like Bud on the side. Yeah, I did, and I also like the one you joined us on about uh, uh, Kelly's uh, got a habit. Yeah, that's the one. I was trying to think of the name, but that was a good one. But you know, since it, and I even kind of liked uh, last week's um, uh, live nude Peg to a certain extent. And Peg was a stripper. And tricked out, you know. I kind of like it when they try yeah. and throw in a message there, but still, it's like most of the ones in season eleven, like I said, are either pretty good or really bad. Agreed. Bud and Kelly come in, and Kelly is dressed up like a cheese. I don't know what you're so upset about. It was a perfectly good role. <laughs> The kind you can really sink your teeth into. Gotta be willing to pay your dues. I am, but I can't be a cheese hostess forever, bud. Of course you can't. Uh, have an expiration date. <laughs> Look at me. My career's a joke. Come on, help me out of this thing. I can't. All right, pumpkin, help. we'll help you. Oh, it's okay. We love you. Mmm. Mmm. Mm. We'd like you more with crackers. <laughs> you know, Bud, next time she gets a job like this, maybe it could be as a bonbon girl. There won't be a next time. Because another agent has called me from the Almost Artist Agency. And that would be a big mistake, Kel. They'll just treat you like a piece of meat. With that peg, we're going to get meat. Fine. Then you have one week to get me a decent job. 
And that means nothing edible. Ah, cow, what's the big deal? I mean, you've been playing a vegetable all your life. <laughs> oh, now, young lady, young lady, we're not finished with you yet. <laughs> yeah, honey. <What> <laughs> Go stand someplace cold. I may want a sandwich after a while. Now, I don't know. I mean, it just seemed like ridiculous. I mean, I mean, we've talked a lot about how season 11 seems very cartoonish, but I mean, at this yeah. point, I mean, really? Right. I mean, you, you, we get the joke. She's she's playing the part of a cheese, but they actually made her a cheese to where people could eat her. <laughs> Like, really? (laughs) You know, edible cheese? I mean, not just that. It's like, I think like a cheese joke. I I don't know what you guys think, but I feel like if they were going to do like a cheat, like a joke of her being dressed as a cheese, you could have maybe ended the episode with like some reference back to cheese, like to say, oh, you know, Kelly, you know, yeah. He's like, but almost telling Kelly, it's like, oh, you're going to be Gouda cheese or you're going to be like a... (laughs) Uh, uh, I don't know, some smelly cheese, some kind of smelly cheese to just yeah. to end it. Like, you know, because it was so random. I mean, yeah, she's got a, a crap job, but I mean, really just cheese. <laughs> I mean, an I edible, mean, an edible cheese too. Exactly. If she was a true prima donna, she would have held out to be a tomato. <laughs> because she is one, if you really think about it. Yeah. But yeah, it, it, it kind of kicked me out for a few seconds, especially when she's bumping around trying to get in the door. And why would you wear that going back? You know, when Bud had the big, uh, the big costume of a roach. Remember that in um, the Goodbye Girl. You know, he comes in wearing that. At least he can maneuver through the doorway. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and that was a funny costume because yeah. he was gesticulating and. Oh, the arms are going out. <laughs> right. Yeah, that was clever. But this one, that's not clever. Like I said, I mean, of course they have banter between brother and sister, but I don't know. I just felt like most of it played, most of it fell flat to me. Right. I mean, they had a few good jabs in, like uh, when he says, Kel, they'll treat you like a piece of meat instead of cheese. <laughs> After the opening credits, we open up in the bedroom. Mm, Al, have you been working out? <laughs> no. Al, I'm lonely. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What's interesting about this particular scene is, you know, Al's sort of in the bed and he's uh, trying to move around. And it's just like, no matter what Al does, like Peg sort of jumps on him. Now, Stephen, you were a married man. So yeah. I, I, I'm just curious, like, did you experience any of this uh, when when, uh, when your wife was alive? <laughs> well, let me just tell you this. Uh, you know, going to bed together was, was nice. Of course, we're, you weren't Al and Peg. Of course, Robin hated Mary with children, but still. Um, <laughs> We could wake up in weird positions, hugging or something like that. I remember waking up one night. I'm sure, Luigi, you probably experienced this with her hair in your mouth. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. yeah but uh, foot in my back. Yeah. Uh, no, I never know? had that. <laughs> I never had that. Oh, boy. Uh, I would tell you one story, but 
I want to keep this uh, G rated here. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, but but you know, I I think that uh, you know to comic effect they did a like I think a pretty good job of um, of depicting like I mean what is it like you know sleeping with someone day in and day out and it's like after I think you get over the honeymoon aspect of your relationship right and this I think is true if someone is. Um, maybe just living with someone you don't necessarily be married but you know as time goes by if like after a couple of years it's like you sort of get comfortable having the other person next to you so yeah uh like and the thing is is like your spouse or your significant other when that person is comfortable can may almost be in these weird positions (laughs) you know that you wake up in because and it's almost like they get comfort in like knowing that you're there uh-huh. So it's like so maybe like their hand is holding you <laughs> someplace or again a foot in your back or or just being on top of you and I I thought that you know there was a lot of good physical comedy I mean I I got the joke and I feel like they didn't belabor it too much but uh, you know and I think I appreciate it more as an adult today than I did in 1997 watching it Kelly and Bud enter. <laughs> Just got a big part on a TV show. Hey! Honey, that's great, but it's midnight, you know, and your father and I want our privacy. Oh, wait a minute, the kids are trying to share. You can't just phone that parent stuff in. Listen, Kelly's filling in for the Princess of Puppetland on Uncle Dudley's playpen. Hey! Oh, Kelly, that was your favorite show. You know, when you were little, I used to put you in front of that TV, and Uncle Dudley would entertain you when I went out shopping or, or to the movies or went away for the weekend. Yeah. <laughs> he was my favorite babysitter. He never told when I used to put worms in Bud's ears. What? <laughs> my pumpkin is becoming a princess. <laughs> Gee, if I could only trade my cow for some magic beans. Now, the last thing you need are beans. <laughs> so Kelly's really excited about filling in for the princess of Puppet Land on Uncle Dudley's playpen. That's a great alliteration. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> What I'll say is we have a little bit of exposition here, you know, to, I guess, to sort of give the audience to know what this is. Now, when I originally put these notes together, thinking about it, uh, and I had this discussion, Stephen, with Chris before we started. To me, this was a spoof on Howdy Doody. Oh, yeah. But I also think that what it was is not just Howdy Doody. I feel like it was amalgamation of all of the kids shows of the 50s and 60s. Again, because, you know, you're playing to the audience that were baby boomers, right? It was that baby mm-hmm. boomer generation, slightly older than even you, Stephen, right? <laughs> so yeah. um, so I feel like it was Howdy Doody as well as uh, maybe Captain Kangaroo, which I think would have been more of your time. Yes. For Howdy Doody, for those of you who don't know, it was an American children's television program with circus and western frontier themes that was created and produced by E. Roger Muir and telecast on the NBC network from December 27, 1947 until September 24, 1960. It was a pioneer in children's television programming and set the pattern for many similar shows. One of the first television series produced at NBC and Rockefeller Center in Studio 3A was also a pioneer in early color production at NBC. The star of the show was Buffalo Bob Smith, who's born Robert Emil Schmidt, and he died back in 1998. 
and he was the host. And Howdy Doody was the uh, was the dummy, quote unquote. Uh, yeah. I, it was famously shown on on Back to the Future, so I guess for the younger generations might have seen it there. But again, also not a show that was really rerun afterwards. Like you know, um, I can't really say that I ever saw a Howdy Doody show other than like sort of the scenes that were on Back to the Future in the or Mister. Or Mr. Ed, which was another one with a horse. Horse, it's a horse. But Mr. Ed, I do remember in reruns uh, back in the 80s. I also remember uh, Captain Kangaroo in the early 80s. But uh, like I said, I just felt like this was sort of the, you know, a spoof on all those shows, including things like Sesame Street. And I know we'll we'll get to Sesame Street in a little bit because there is a tie-in. So I won't steal your thunder there, uh, Stephen. (laughs) You, you know, I guess I uh, that was right over my head because uh, Howdy Doody was so far before my time, I suppose. But uh, I, uh, w- when I saw this episode, the thing that it immediately made me think of was in Full House, about halfway through that show's run, Uncle Joey gets a job working as a ventriloquist on a kid's show on Full House. And I sort of thought, oh, I guess Married with Children is trying to do the the full house thing. But now that I think about it, that the thing that Joey was doing on full house was probably a spoof, a spoof of howdy doody. <laughs> Cause it, it was the same setup. Uh, Joey was a ventriloquist, but he really wasn't a very good one. Like you could see his lips moving and there was, you know, kids in the audience watching and it had a very cartoonish backdrop and everything. So that was definitely a spoof on howdy doody too. <laughs> right. Hmm. I did notice uh, a line in there. Just want to mention, and that's uh, I talked about alliteration. And once Al hears the news, he says, "My pumpkin's becoming a princess," and I couldn't wonder. I wonder if that's allusion to Cinderella. That's right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the, and his line right after that, uh, he says, "Gee, if I could only trade my cow for some magic beans." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, I mean, and that's a reference to Jack and the Beanstalk. Absolutely. So Jack and the Beanstalk is an English fairy tale. It appeared as the story of Jack Spriggins and the Enchanted Bean in 1734 as Benjamin Tabarts moralized the history of Jack and the Beanstalk in 1807. A children's book. Jack, a poor country boy, trades the family cow for a handful of magic beans, which grow into enormous beanstalk, reaching up to the clouds. Jack climbs to the climbs the beanstalk and finds himself in the castle of an unfriendly giant. The giant senses Jack's presence and cries, "Fee fi fo fum! I smell the blood of an Englishman." Outwitting the giant, Jack is able to retrieve many goods once stolen from his family, including an enchanted goose that lays golden eggs. Jack then escapes by chopping down the beanstalk. The giant, who is pursuing him, falls to his death, and Jack and his family prosper. Classic fairy tale. (laughs) And it's embedded itself into culture in both Europe and uh, the United States. One of my favorites was when Gilligan's Island spoofed it. Of course, Gilligan's Island was a spoof. Remember, Skipper was the giant? That's right. Yeah. And here's a little bit of interesting bit of trivia for that one. When he's chasing um, Gilligan, you know, you, you can see Alan Hale Jr. and this little guy dressed as Gilligan. The person, little guy dressed as Gilligan is Bob Denver's son. Oh. Yeah. But uh, I got to tell you, my favorite, not of the hat for Jack and the Beast Talk, was 
Abbott and Costello's Jack in the Beanstalk. Yep. Yeah, Costello was Jack. And there's a line in there when uh, he's talking to the princess and she has to marry the prince. And she says, have you ever had to marry a man you've never met before? And Costello, as Jack says, they they tell me I'm a boy. <laughs> that just kills me. <laughs> but, but again, you know, these are like literary references. I mean, there's very few actually in this one. I mean, mm-hmm. when uh, Chris, I think like the last episode you and I reviewed, we had like seven pages of notes. Right. Uh, this was for trash. Right. And uh, it's like this one, on the other hand, like we have two pages of notes and we've already gotten through one of them. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. So listen, if Kelly's going to be on Uncle Dudley's playpen, I definitely need a TV in the bedroom. But Peg, that show comes on at 10 a.m. You mean you can't drag your butt down to the living room before then? I know it's a tough commute, Peg. (laughs) You're going to start nagging about this, aren't you? I do not nag. All right, all right. You can have a TV in the bedroom. I mean, that thing I can mute. <laughs> but I'm going to want something myself, Peg. Hmm, sure, Tiger. Surprise me. <laughs> so Al, after having spent a night... I guess we're assuming either a night or a few nights of not being able to sleep well. He makes a deal with Peg that Peg will get a TV in the bedroom, but Al's going to get something that he's been looking for, right? (laughs) And we cut to Al and Peg in twin beds. Now, I thought this was funny because, and I think Stephen would probably know this better than either you or I, but, you know, the sitcoms of the 60s and 50s mostly always had married couples in twin beds. Mm-hmm. They were not in, you know, <laughs> their own bed. And I would say that probably didn't happen until the late sixties, early seventies, right? That you would see a married couple in a, you know, like, let's say in a king size bed. Well, the first one I thought of was Mike and Carol Brady on the Brady Punch. Right. And that was like 1969, I'm going to say, right? Yeah. I think that's when it premiered. Mm-hmm. But before that, Ozzy and Harriet, Oh, God, I can't think of it all of a sudden. Father Knows Best and Ward and June Cleaver, they all slept in separate beds. Ricky and uh, Lucy slept in separate beds. That one's really perplexing because they somehow made little Ricky. That's right. <laughs> and, and I think that was sort of, uh, I mean, I, I feel like this was like Married with Children's like homage to that era. And like they were just poking fun at it. But I felt like it wasn't clever, though. I mean, I, I, you know, no. I, th- I think they did a little bit of physical comedy, but I feel like they could have been a little bit more clever about it. Yeah, yeah I agree. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm just happy we got to see Peg's dummy here whenever she gets thrown across the room. <laughs> yeah, you know, we, we've seen we've seen Al's dummy a lot over the years. We've seen Bud's dummy a handful of times. We finally get to see Peg's dummy. I was just sitting here thinking, I don't think we ever get to see Kelly's dummy, do we? Mm, I don't. She think is that a I dummy. Remember. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but you think about it. I mean, we saw dummies for a lot. We saw Bob Rooney's dummy. I feel like we saw Griff's dummy. Yeah, we saw Griff's dummy on the episode where they're falling off the house. But we never get to see Kelly as a as an actual dummy. <laughs> yeah, that's true. What, Jeff, what about Jefferson or Marcy? 
I can't oh, think we of definitely, him. Yeah, we definitely see Jefferson's dummy, don't we? Okay. I, I don't, don't think remember. Marcy. Yeah, I, I don't think Marcy had a dummy, though. Yeah, I don't think Marcy had a dummy. Mm-hmm. And even, I guess they, I, and I don't think even Peg did. I mean, Peg had like a, a body double. And maybe and even Marcy, but I don't think they had dummies that I could think of off the, yeah, top, off the top of my head. But, you know, we're talking about 259 episodes, right? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, unfortunately, uh, Annabelle's not on here to correct any of us, correct? Yeah, correct. <laughs> well, I saw in the notes, I think it was I think it was someone was they were curious if that was a stunt actress or a dummy. I, I'm convinced it was a dummy because. Just watching it, I mean, like when 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 Al, you know, throws Peg across the room there, like you know, Ed O'Neill's a pretty strong guy, but I don't think he can do a, a push up and catapult a human no. being across the room. <laughs> I mean, the stunt actors would have to be doing like a circus act or something. <laughs> That's definitely a dummy, you know. Right. So we cut to the next scene, which is the set of Uncle Dudley's playpen. Okay, everybody, we're back in five, four, three. Two, one. Okay, kids, ready for our manners minute. Excuse me. What for, Frederick? <laughs> for that? You know, that little Frederick is almost as talented as Uncle Dudley. <laughs> yeah. yeah, he's good enough to go out on his own. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and we'll be right back. Come on, I'll introduce you to Uncle Dudley. Uh, Kelly, please, please don't embarrass me. Bud, I know how to behave on a set. Nice to meet you. Oh my God, oh my God, I can't believe you You look just like yourself, only older. Oh my God, I've been watching you for years. I love you so much. Now, you know, what I thought was realistic about this scene was when Kelly sees Uncle Dudley for the first time, you know, she says, you know, I can't believe it's really you. You look like yourself, only older. Right. <laughs> um, you know, and but to me, it's like that is very poignant. Uh, you know, I, I think like for maybe somebody like myself, I remember as a kid watching Mr. Rogers Neighborhood. I watched that one. Yeah. yeah. And the thing is, you know, you you watch them on probably I probably watched them until I was maybe like six or maybe seven years old at most. And then, like, as I got older and maybe, like, I was around little kids and then watching him, you know, 15 years later and all of a sudden he has, like, white hair, you're like, oh, my God. Like, you know, like, the a character like that, like, I guess for a kid's show, becomes frozen in time for you. And you remember that character as they were when you were a child. And, you know, I think, like, your brain doesn't necessarily register the fact that, yes, this person also gets older. Yeah. So, so um that was poignant for me. I mean, like, it wasn't necessarily funny, but it's like, yeah, you know, I mean, that makes total sense that, you know, Kelly would have been, Kelly's now in her 20s, right? I mean, at right. this point in time, she's supposed to be 26 years old. So uh, Uncle Dudley would have been 20 years into the past for her. I mean, we assume right. she hasn't watched them since she was six. So that's, yeah, fortunately, uh, that never happens to Bugs Bunny or Daffy Duck. Correct. Mm. <laughs> And we're back in five, four. Welcome back, kids. Now we all remember that Princess Babs is away having elective surgery. So let's give a great big happy hello to substitute Princess Kelly. 
Uncle Dudley, you know, and this kind of leads to something in, in the same vein. He's played by Brandon Maggart. He was born December 12th, 1933. He was a producer and an actor. He was known for roles in Chicago Hope, Boy Meets World, L.A. Law, Murphy Brown, Murder, She Wrote, Chicken Soup, Brothers, Jennifer Slept Here. But he was best known for, and likely, and I think this is why he might have been recruited for this episode. He also played Buddy in Sesame Street, and it was a recurring role, you know, and that was the ultimate children's show, Sesame Street, back in the day. Hello, buddy. What do you got there? Hey, Jim. I bought a picture. I thought the place could use some brightening up. Well, good boy. For once in your life, you got a good idea. Give me the picture. You're right, this place could use some brightening up. Did you bring anything to hang the picture on? I thought we'd hang it on the wall. I know we're going to hang it on the wall. I mean something to hang it on, like a nail. Hey, Jim. What? I brought a nail to hang the picture on. That's what I mean. Here, hold that. Now we'll drive the nail into the wall, and then we'll hang the picture on the nail. Did you bring something to drive the nail into the wall with? Yeah, I brought two things. Jimmy can take your, your pick. Give me that one. The red one? Yeah. Okay, ready? Here we go. By the way, Luigi, he also had a role in Car 54, Where Are You? 8.95 out of 10. Be right with you, Sonny. There you are. Good luck with your bowling, Francis. Thanks. Come on. I saw that. Mm. The Star Border is an episode with um, Tom Bosley, who played oh. uh, Richie uh, Cunningham's dad. You know, he was uh, <laughs> Howard uh, Cunningham, Mister Mr. Mr. C, right? Uh-huh. Yeah, and uh, to you know, to your point about um, Maggart on Sesame Street, it was Buddy, as well as George the Mailman, and there are a couple of clicks, clips on YouTube of him playing Buddy that I could find. Couldn't find George the Mailman, but I'll have to dig a little bit uh, deeper for them. Unfortunately, I don't remember them because it shows that he was really on in the early seasons, up to about 1970. Yeah. Uh, so I was watching Sesame Street in the early 80s, and I would say that the very f first few seasons of uh, Sesame Street were no longer in reruns by that point in time. I'm going to say like most of the reruns, I think, of Sesame Street from, from like the mid-70s on in the period that I watched the show. I mean, I doubt, you know, because now Sesame Street is in its like, what, 53rd season? Uh, I don't think that any of the episodes that I watched as a kid are, are playing anymore today, et cetera, <laughs> or even for any of us, or even you, Chris, or, you know, a little bit younger than me. That'd be interesting to see some of them, though, just to see how, you know, just television production and such has changed <laughs> right i remember watching them until i was about maybe seven eight years old so that would have been about 74 so i might have seen those and then i graduated to the electric company right and if you've ever saw that one, i do i do remember that one yes and remember who got started there morgan freeman yes that's right morgan freeman started on the sesame street no the no. electric company Oh, okay. I was like, I didn't know that. <laughs> he had the whistle, if I remember correctly, right? Oh, okay. He was easy reader. Okay, cool. 
Yeah, and, and I actually, Stephen, I have an uh, Stephen and Chris, I have a, a little uh, connection to Sesame Street, uh, very indirect. So uh, in the early 90s, my father bought a company, a concrete casting company from a gentleman, my father and my uncles, and the company that they bought created the stoop that's on Sesame Street. Hmm. So the previous owner had done it because the studios for Sesame Street were literally six city blocks from where I lived. Wow. So, so they, uh, they, they are prefabricated steps that are effectively uh, easily disassembled for the production set because from what the story that the gentleman told me directly who made the steps, and this was 30 years ago, you have to understand. Um, I remember this story. He said to me that they had experimented with different types of substances, like a, like a wooden step and all that, but they couldn't get the sound of a New York City stoop. So he created these, uh, they're, they're called precast concrete steps. Uh, they're, they're almost put together almost like a, a jigsaw puzzle to hold them together because then you can sort of take them apart. Uh, and that's what he described to me. And he had done those... Uh, in I think uh, he said in probably early '69, so that mm. at that point it had been you know twenty some odd years earlier, but uh, yeah, a little uh, uh, a little tidbit of useless information for you. <laughs> We're full of that, yeah. Right. <laughs> now, when Uncle Dudley introduces kelly to the kids he says that princess babs is away having elective surgery so uh my my assumption is she either got a boob job and annabelle thinks it might be a nose job <laughs> i don't know which, which do you guys vote boob job <laughs> I, I automatically thought boob job especially for that era i mean now hell nowadays it could be damn near anything boob job a butt lift uh <laughs> there's so many the things they do the Models do with their lips, you know, lip injections. I mean, <laughs> it could be almost anything nowadays, but back then, boob job. All right, so we have uh, votes for three boob jobs. All right, so, <laughs> sorry, sorry, Annabelle. <laughs> I mean, it could be a nose job, but we're men. We automatically are going to think the worst. All right. <laughs> uh, hi, guys and pearls. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good one. Princess Pally? Oh. <laughs> Thanks, Dunkle Udley. <laughs> That's the joke. Don't wear it out. Oh. <laughs> Today's Puppet Land story is Curious George Converts to Judaism. <laughs> Curious George was crossing Delancey when the wind blew off his yarmulke into the gutter. <laughs> Kelly being Kelly uh, screws up her uh, dialogue with uh, Uncle Dudley in terms of, you know, she's so excited. She uh, mispronounces, she says, goys and burls <laughs> instead of uh, guys and girls, right? Yeah, uh, or boys and, and girls. Right, yeah. and and goys and burls. Now, goys would have been more like a Yiddish word <laughs> for like a, a Gentile, right? <laughs> So I wonder if like, that was a little bit of the, uh, maybe a little bit of Jewish humor. Because then we get this story about, you know, Kelly reading a book to the children called Curious George Converts to Judaism. <laughs> so the line is, Curious George was crossing Delancey when the wind blew off his yarmulke into the gutter. Now, 
Delancey, yeah, but- they're, they're referring to Delancey Street in Manhattan, uh, which is on the Lower East Side. Uh, and even into the you know 80s and 90s, it was a very much like a, a street of was full of Jewish mer- merchants. Um, mm. You could buy like leather goods. They had haberdashers, as I remember, a lot of uh, like Orthodox Jewish clothing. So like that's the that's the reference. However, there was also a movie called Crossing Delancey, which is a 1988 American romantic comedy film starring Amy Irving and Peter Reigert. Um, and it was drawing upon a play that was written by Susan Sadler, Sandler, who wrote the screenplay for the film. And it also features David Hyde Pierce, Sylvia Miles, and Rosemary Harris. And uh, Amy Irving was nominated for a Golden Globe for the film for the Best Actress in a Motion Picture, Comedy, or Musical. She was briefly married to Steven Spielberg. And uh, when they divorced, uh, she got 100 million bucks. (laughs) Wow. So, muzzle tough to you, (laughs) Amy Irving. Mm. But, but, um, yeah. Uh, interesting. Like again, what I because I was like, I know I've heard this term "crossing Delancey." And I, like there we go. So it was the name of this play, which then became a film. So I don't know if they did that intentionally or not, but uh, as we've said, it all depends on who the uh, writers are. Now, Valerie mm-hmm. Ahern is a was a veteran on Married with Children, so I would think that you know uh, she gave. Uh, I mean, this is probably something specific in this case. Maybe. And mentioning Curious George, you know, I don't know if you guys grew up on those books, but I did. He is the main character of a series of popular children's books. And there were a few TV episodes written by Margaret and H.A. Ray. George, or Curious George, is the monkey in the books and was brought from his home in Africa by the man with the yellow hat. And they are best friends. If they're best friends, how come George doesn't know his real name? But anyway, (laughs) and now they live together in the city and the country, and the names of these areas have not been declared yet. I do remember growing up with my parents reading me these books or when I wanted to read them. And yeah, good fond memory of that. Yeah. And I've read most of them as well. Big question I have. Since when can Kelly read? (laughs) Correct. And in answer to your question about, you know, if even though it's his best, it's his best friend, why does he call him the man with the yellow hat? Uh, because I, I believe the, you know, the, the books are always written from the perspective of George and George doesn't speak human, right? So, you know, from his perspective, he doesn't know what the man would be saying even when he speaks to him. So he just refers to him in his head as the man with the yellow hat. That's the way he associates him with. So, um, Apes can talk. Haven't you seen Planet of the Apes? Well, (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Wait a minute. Statue of Liberty? It was Earth. (laughs) You maniacs. (laughs) Dude, you just ruined the ending of Planet of the Apes for somebody. (laughs) There's going to be somebody out there. (laughs) There's going to be someone out there that's never seen it. I'm just kidding. (laughs) <laughs> but yeah, I uh, I read those Curious George books too, way back in uh, kindergarten. Curious George and the Man with the Yellow Hat. <laughs> Can't remember uh, much about it, to be honest with you, other than him always getting in trouble due to his curiosity. But I mean, I think that was basically the whole book, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. And there was, 
I forgot where it was. Maybe it was uh, the Simpsons or something like that, but there was a reference of that uh, was spoofing Curious George. It was Curious George and the Ebola virus. Yeah. <laughs> That's funny. Did it land next to Uncle Dudley's career? <laughs> Shut up, you dummy! Make me, Tubbo. Were you rotten piece of driftwood? Uh, you talentless burnout? Kids, kids, kids! Now, now, Uncle Dudley and and, and Frederick are, are they're really best friends, and sometimes friends say things to each other that they don't mean, and. And they, they lose their head. Ah! <laughs> uh, fine, kids, just a scratch. Yay! Where's Uncle Dudley? Well, he's gone to rest in the, uh, the Sleepy Time Kingdom. It's a big castle with soft walls and uh, magic potions that are going to make him feel all better, okay? So say goodbye, Frederick. Goodbye, Frederick! Yay! Claire! Kelly, you were brilliant. I was? Yeah, she was? I mean, she was. <laughs> That's why Kelly Bundy should host the show until Uncle Dudley recovers. Great idea. What? You're hired. I am? Oh my god! Oh my god, but I'm a star! Who's star? I'm a star! Who's star? Who's star? <laughs> So Uncle Dudley has a bit of a nervous breakdown in front of the kids. <laughs> and he's going to get put into the rubber room. Wasn't he taking rest, I thought? Yeah, taking a rest, you know, <laughs> is, is the way that they talked about it. And I think I have a theory on this one, okay? Because he is a ventriloquist, a lousy ventriloquist. Yep. Probably, again, related to Howdy Doody. This might be a reference to a lot of horror tropes of odors and ventriloquists and their dolls. Uh, there was an old movie called Magic, released in the late 70s, starring Anthony Hopkins, where he has a psychological dilemma and the, ventrilo and the ventriloquist dummy comes alive. There were two uh, episodes of The Twilight Zone that revolved around ventriloquism, Caesar and Me and The Dummy. And those were pretty creepy, especially the latter one. There was also the after hours when mannequins came alive. The talking doll, Talkie Tina, my favorite Twilight Zone of them all. There's also the trilogy of terror, if you've ever seen that old TV movie. And it was played on Spangoolie a few weeks ago. I loved watching that. was one of the scariest TV movies you'd ever see. And, of course, more recently, Child's Play and the Annabelle series. But, you know, people who have the dolls in a ventriloquist, Again, those are good horror tropes, and quite often the ventriloquist is pushed to the edge because they have this uh, character that they created, and they wonder who's in control, me or the character, me or the dummy. So now uh, Kelly is going to take over the show until Uncle Dudley recovers. All right. So now we cut to the bedroom, and Al and Peg are in twin beds. Good night, Pookie. Al, I don't like these twin beds. It's unnatural. Anything involving you in a bed is unnatural, Peggy. 
put on your snore strap and go to sleep. Now, Bundy, you're gonna pay for this. Peg, we made a deal. You have your TV, which will help you get to sleep, and I don't have you, which will help me get to sleep. Nighty-night. Yeah, I talked about that already. Yeah, we did. <laughs> and uh, I don't know. It's just, uh, but even, like, it's just interesting how even Peg with twin beds, she still s- s- finds her way onto, <laughs> onto Al. <laughs> and she seems to do it while sleeping. Yeah. That, that's, I think, you know, the funny thing about it, right? Because we have a few different positions that we see on the screen. Mm-hmm. Now, what's the one thing that wakes Peg up? Peg, wake up. Peg, wake up. This not a jump start. Attention, home shoppers. Call now for this fabulous Fabio shower massager. Oh, QVC network. That's, that's right. It, isn't that what it's called? Uh, I, yeah, I think it's like home, the home shopping network or QVC. Yeah. It's the same thing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. You know, things like this, you know, seeing jokes like this is why I, I think that uh, I, I am kind of excited about the uh, Mary Bush Children animated series. Whenever we get that a year from now or what have you, because there's so many more opportunities now that weren't available 25 years ago, such as like, can you imagine Peg having access to Amazon and eBay and Facebook Marketplace? where she can just go online and shop for anything. <laughs> she was crazy over the uh, the home shopping network back in the 80s and 90s. I mean, she would go hog wild with Amazon. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, you know, I, I think one of the jokes the married guys usually have is when you get home, I mean, Stephen, I don't think you would have experienced this just because I know your wife, you know, died a while back, is that... Talking to married men, usually the conversation goes like this. It's like, well, I got when I pulled into the driveway last night, there were five Amazon boxes, and somebody else says, "Oh, in front of my house, there were seven Amazon boxes." You know, it's almost <laughs> like a sport nowadays because, like, it's almost. I, I, I could say my my neighbors. Uh, every day I would get home and I would just look at my front door just in case there was something there just out of curiosity but they would have packages there every single day and the husband you know just would uh, just say to me it's like oh man it's it's like yeah it's like i have like uh the amount of cardboard you'd have to take out on recycling night you know it just kept growing and growing as time went on <laughs> so uh i could just imagine what probably married with children would have done something like that maybe like a house drowning in boxes if there was another tv show i liked a long time ago, about the same time as Mary Children was Night Court. Yes. And I remember I caught it. Last week was fall break, so I was home, and I was able to catch a couple episodes on Laugh TV. And one of them was when Quan Lee, who is Max's uh, wife, and she appears sporadically, but she goes out and she buys a brand-new wardrobe. And Mac is like, Quan Lee, you already bought a new wardrobe. Why did you need another one? And uh, she said, well, I had to. And Max says, but why? And she says, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and they're already broke as it is. And Mac realizes, oh, crap. I've got to, you know, now take care of a wife and a kid. Anyway, it was a, it, that's, there's the trope right there. The wife always spends the man's money. Yeah. 
that it's just a trope, you know, and it's not always true. It, it, besides, in Mary with Children world, it's the opposite with Jefferson and Marcy. Yeah. When Peg wakes up, one of the things that uh, entices her to wake up is about a Fabio shower massager. Now, one of the things I know I noted on my notes to Annabelle, because Annabelle always sort of chimes in for this. It's like, I remember there was a Mel Gibson shower nozzle. Uh, Fabio had been mentioned uh, in the No Ma'am episode with Jerry Springer. Annabelle says there was another shower nozzle named Jeffrey in season seven. <laughs> There was another reference to Fabio when, um, and how Blaine was my Kelly. Correct. Because, yeah. <laughs> that was the hair. As well as um, the reference to uh, Kelly LeBrock, you know, don't hate me because I'm beautiful. <laughs> With, uh, <laughs> yeah. uh, when he had that uh, beautiful uh, silky hair. Yeah. Oh. You know, Al, this kind of reminds me of how we were in high school and you used to sneak into my room late at night. I never snuck in your room in high school. <laughs> I think Kelly's show is on. All right. Now, one of the things that's interesting is, uh, you know, Peg wakes up in that twin bed with Al. And she says that it reminds me of when we were in high school and Al used to sneak into her room at night. And Al says that he never did that. <laughs> and Peggy uh, changes the subject. So obviously she turns on the TV. It's a Sony. Annabelle had to point that out. And uh, now we see Kelly on on the show, and she uh, takes a pie and puts it into Bobby Beaver's face. <laughs> oh, Bobby Beaver! <laughs> Won't you ever learn? <laughs> oh, you know, she is really good with kids. She got that from me, you know. Oh, yeah, right, Peg. Yeah, after this commercial, she's going to feed them diet pills for breakfast. You know, those diet pills saved us a fortune in school lunches. Bobby Beaver, won't you ever learn? Now, you know, earlier on, we find out that Kelly used to watch this, and Peg would leave Kelly in front of the TV and go off and go on vacation. <laughs> <laughs> They fed her diet pills. Correct, yeah. I thought that's funny. <laughs> and now we have a substitute for Frederick, who's Budrick. Kids, did you know that Princess Kelly has a little brother? Well, he's here with us today. Boys and girls, I'd like you to meet Budrick. <laughs> sweet of Kelly. She has butt on the show. Seems a little stiff, though, huh, Peg? Well, you know, Kelly is the talented one. Roderick is the saddest little boy in puppet land. None of the girl puppets will play with him, so... He has to play with himself. So remember, kids... Don't be a budrick, be a goodrick. Claire! <laughs> as a dummy, as a ventriloquist dummy again. And of course, she's going to take a swing at Bud 
Budrick is the saddest little boy on Puppet Land. None of the girls will play with him, so he has to play with himself. This was my observation when I was watching it and making my own night, uh, making my own notes here. Bud has, think about this. Now, Bud is now a ventriloquist dummy who has to play with himself. You can understand why the dummy is made of wood. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't see that that way, but yes. Now, what I wanted to point out is you have now an audience of children. So what I'm wondering is, you know, and these kids are probably no more than nine years old, eight, nine years old. Mm-hmm. So how, <laughs> I mean, how are they, like, in other words, I'm t- and I'm not talking about the the kids as kids. I'm talking about these kids as actors, right? Because they have to be laughing at this. Right. You know, like, how, how, how are these kids as, like, eight and nine-year-olds <laughs> understanding the joke? Like, because the, the double entendre there, right? Probably. They probably don't. You, you know, one thing I put in my notes is uh, I'm kind of surprised that they don't have uh, Meghan Markle there. <laughs> This would have been a although I guess at this point she was would have been a little old to to play yeah. this because we because we saw her in season ten and she was like probably I don't know twelve or thirteen fourteen something Correct. like that yeah so but that, that when I was watching this earlier I was I was watching it slow I was like I wonder if I can spot Meghan Markle hidden somewhere yeah no she's a little old for this I guess yeah and you know one of the things I could tell you about children's shows of this nature like I remember watching Barney for example with my niece I'm sorry yeah I know. Uh, there's a documentary about that out right now. And he's like, you know, why does everybody hate me? <laughs> well, I, uh, I, I, again, I, you know, being subjected to watching that over and over, like, cause what I found like <laughs> this stuff was very repetitive. Now, one of the things I noticed is, and this happens, I think with a lot of people when they're children up until the time, they're probably like of high school age. They generally will watch TV shows of kids or, you know, like tweens or teens who are older than them. Like, in other words, Uncle Dudley's playpen was probably designed for kids who were like four, five and six. And usually those kids want to be like older kids. So the kids who are on the show are going to be kids who are a few years older. They're not going to be four, five and six year olds. They're going to be seven, eight and nine year olds. Mm hmm. You know, and that seems to be like a theme that I've seen in most kids shows of this nature. I've got a really wild story. I remember coming across this about maybe two or three years ago about a young man named Martin Pistorius. He was a South African British man, and he had this syndrome where he was unable to move or communicate for 12 years. He was aware of everything going on around him. But he could not respond. I mean, I was watching this story on a YouTube video and I checked it. It is true. And I was just thinking it'd be horrible. And of course, his parents were taking care of him and his heart was broken when his mom said, I wish you would die. And he felt sorry for his mom. And I could kind of understand her feeling that way. But here is the thing that really it, it makes it'll make you laugh and cry at the same time. They hired some people eventually to be Martin's caretaker. What would they do? Well, some of them did abuse him. And to me, one of the worst forms of abuse was that they had him watch Barney. 
day after day. I've read this article, yes. Yeah, after day after day. And when he finally woke up 12 years later and fully came out of it, he says, I hope I never see that damn dinosaur ever again. I mean, would you blame him? Uh, He wrote a book. I forget what it's called. I've been wanting to get it because it's amazing how he survived and came out the other side like he did. Anyhow, Martin Pistorius. <laughs> uh, uh, Kelly, don't you think you should have cleared the uh, Budrick puppet with me first? Bud, I am the star of the show. I don't have to clear anything with anybody. Kelly, why did you cut my giant cupcake sketch? I don't know. I thought it was kind of childish. I am a child. <laughs> Do you believe that? That beaver is such a diva. <laughs> You can't just go cutting out the other characters. You're gonna ruin the show. You saved the show. <laughs> the ratings are holding steady ages 2 to 11, and they're through the roof with men 18 to 99. <laughs> Whatever you want, you got it. <laughs> Did you hear that, bud? Anything I want. Oh, which reminds me. You know, I was kind of thinking about changing the title of the show. How about Princess Kelly's Castle? Mm. Where the drawbridge never closes. Watch it, bud. I don't need to take that from my assistant. I'm your agent. If you need a new agent, I can make some calls. Hmm. Find out who represents the 101 Dalmatians. I mean, they're they're everywhere. Uh, uh, Here's something else, too. uh, How she starts to be a real, how, lack of a better word, a real bitch towards everybody. Ordering them around, you know, being ridiculous in her demands. And, you know, of course, people go through that. A lot of celebrities get high on themselves and an ego. But during that time, I didn't buy Christina Applegate's acting. It seemed really off to me. Did it seem off to you guys? Maybe. You know, you know, one of the things, and I'm trying to remember who, who it was that said this. I think it was uh, Carolyn, if I'm not mistaken. She said that they made Kelly in season 11. They made, you know, Kelly has always been dumb. We know that. That's, you know, her, her biggest calling card, really. But they, in season 11, they make Kelly so dumb that you almost have to remind her to breathe, so to speak. That was Carolyn, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And that's not necessarily funny. <laughs> no. And I and and I agree with you. Her 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 acting, you know, and 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 I always say, you know, no amount of great acting can make up for bad writing. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, and and she's really she's off for the most of of season eleven, I think. But I don't blame that necessarily on the actress. I I totally agreed with that assessment by Carolyn. Like she's so dumb that you have to remind her to breathe, <laughs> and that's yeah. not. I don't classify that as funny. <laughs> right. But to me, it just seemed really off in this one. And then later she starts talking like a, like a Jewish woman from maybe New York or something. Yeah, yep. She did. Yep. And I thought to myself, that's not Kelly. And that's, I mean, you live in Chicago, Kelly. It, it makes me wonder, you know, with these writers on this one weren't just bad. They were horrid. I mean, yeah. I could come out with better jokes, pulling something out of my butt. Yeah, yeah, you can tell the 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 writers really don't understand the characters. I no. don't think. No. And Annabelle noted this that you know it's a brand new set of writers, and I think like they knew about Married with Children, but they weren't necessarily students of the show. 
Right, right. You know, and I I, I will tend to agree. Now, I mean, there's one line here I thought that was funny. This is, you know, ratings are holding steady for ages 2 to 11, and they're through the roof with men from 18 to 99. So uh, (laughs) I I could get that with Kelly. You know, I definitely see that. They also make a reference to 101 Dalmatians because the previous year, in 1996, there was a live-action comedy adventure film 101 Dalmatians that was made by Walt Disney. And there was the earlier 1961 movie adaption. That's uh, the one I remember. Right. And I think that to me is the one that I remember again. I think it's because, you know, Stephen, if you talk to someone who is like 25 today, they know the, they know the 1996 film, but you know, people I think who were born in the eighties and earlier remember the 1961 animated film. So there you go. <laughs> Yeah. I, I actually kind of laughed at that uh, 101 Dalmatians joke. <laughs> it was corny, but it kind of I got a got a chuckle out of it. I'll put it that way. Yeah. It reminded me. I think I can't remember if it was um, Lucky or Bucky who once made the comment, "I'm going to go rent me 101 Dalmatians," and I don't mean the movie. <laughs> <laughs> that was uh, Lucky uh, in the Bleen commercial. Excuse me, in the Bleen episode. That's right. That's right. I, can, I I think that hit me because I think I recently saw that one like last week or last weekend. Anyway, I love that line. It's the same old story, huh? I make you a star and then all of a sudden you start treating me like dirt. That's not true. I've always treated you like dirt. <laughs> I'm not going to get away with it. We have a signed contract. You can't prove that that's my ex. Security! <laughs> what? Wait a second. Hey now. Hey. Uh, excuse me. Who put Captain Bananas in a pink tutu? Think, people, he's a male. He needs a blue tutu. <laughs> what, am I working alone here? <laughs> also, Annabelle has a, a note here that's very relevant. One of the things that Bud, in terms of his dialogue in this episode, he says the term, hey now. Now that is a term that Al uses a lot. And one of the things about David Faustino playing Al Bundy's son, obviously, you know, almost impersonating Ed O'Neill, is that he begins to act the way his father acts, which is very much the same way like a father or any really any child might act the way a parent acts, like their own parent acts, right? In terms of their pattern of speech or their mannerisms, etc. So just interesting to know because you see it's very explicit in this episode and you can see Faustino doing that. Yeah, he has done it on occasion before I can't remember the episode, but he was filling in for his father at the shoe store, wearing the same kind of clothes and acting the same kind of way. Kelly, when she got a job at the, at the TV museum in goodbye girl, remember she walks in and starts to give a rant, like about what her father would give at, about what happened at the shoe store. And Peg is saying, she reminds me of someone, but who is it? So, you know, it was a good, it's a good joke when it's used well. I just don't think it was used very well there. Yeah, agreed. All right. So now the fourth scene <laughs> is we have uh, now Alan Peg in the living room. You shouldn't have slept on top of me, Peg. <laughs> My spine is cracking like a plumber's ass. <laughs> don't be silly, Al. You don't have a spine. <laughs> Your daughter is a rotten, ungrateful witch. 
No, that's your mother, bud. <laughs> your sister is a princess, and don't you forget it. And she fired me. Honey, that's because Kelly is a star now. And you don't represent stars. You represent cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Kelly humiliated me on the air with that puppet. <laughs> yes, I know. <laughs> and that was wrong, son. But it's only a puppet. The whole thing is probably forgotten by now. Yeah, they were selling these on the way home. <laughs> is that next to large? All right, son. So you tried your best and you failed miserably. You're Bundy. But I fully expect you to kick this curse. I have faith in you. You're right, Dad. I'm not going to end up some middle-aged shoe salesman making minimum wage. Okay. Good. Slaving away 20 years, never getting in a promotion. All right, bud. No respect, no raises, no reason to live, no hair. This father-son talk is over. Yeah, it's a good talk, Dad. I'm going to go out, and I'm going to sign the biggest star I can find. Good luck. <laughs> Budrick. <laughs> Al says that um, Peg shouldn't have slept on him because his spine is cracking like a plumber's ass. Mm. <laughs> and, um, you know, now Bud comes in and complains about Kelly. Yeah. And, and I think we kind of skipped over the part where, you know, she demands that uh, she says, Bud, I'm the star of the show. I don't have to clear anything with anybody. And eventually she fires him right there. That's right. On the spot. And he walks out and she even has security drag him out of there. And it, like it's just like you said, like that's pretty much what people do when they become divas, male or females, like when they become stars, right? We yeah. hear about that in the news all the time. Right now, like mm -hmm. who is it? It's James Corden, Corden right? <laughs> Who's in the news over that? James who? He's the guy with the, um, the talk show, the, the English guy. James oh, Gordon. Oh, okay. All right, I know you're talking about. I yes, thought you uh, said Gordon, yeah. and I thought, well, that's that's the Cleachies of uh, Gotham. Okay, yeah. No. <laughs> He's got the Late Late Show with James Corden. Yeah, yeah, I know CBS. what you're talking about. Yeah. Now, I just thought you said James Gordon. Yeah, okay. Now, what's interesting as, uh, you know, Alan Bud on the couch, it's like, Bud is just talking about, hey, you know, like Al tries to encourage Bud, and then like Bud sort of in ends up insulting Al about his own life <laughs> yeah. you're right dad i'm not gonna end up like some middle-aged shoe salesman making minimum wage okay bud slaving away for 20 years never getting a promotion all right bud no respect no raise no raises no reason to live no hair the father-son talk is over yep that's right <laughs> so bud now goes to uncle dudley what do you want to represent me for i'm a failure a failure Aren't you the same guy who taught every kid in Chicago how to make a hat out of a milk carton? You saw that? Why, sure. I mean, you know, we didn't have milk, so I used a cigarette carton, but it was still fun. <laughs> no, 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 I, I, I can't go back. I, I frightened all the children, and they could never forgive me. That's not true. As Freddy Frog always says, forgive and forget. <laughs> What's Freddy doing anyway? Princess Kelly fired him. Oh, my God! How will he support Frida and the Tadpoles? You see? Y you have to go back and save Puppet Land. You're right. But what about that nice Princess Kelly? She's about to get a royal flush. <laughs> I, 
I thought the funniest line in, in this whole dialogue between Bud and Uncle Dudley is when Bud says, we didn't have milk, so I used a cigarette carton, but it was still fun. <laughs> Talking about, you know, making a hat. Uh, because one of the other things is, I believe after season four, if I'm not mistaken, there was no more smoking on Married with Children, right? Because, I mean, yeah. in the early seasons, you would see Peg light a cigarette. But I believe, you know, and I know, like, Annabelle can yep. pinpoint it exactly. But I'm going to say just before Steve left, the smoking stopped. Yeah, that sounds Well, it stopped right. at the end of season four. After season four, you don't see Peg smoking anymore. Yeah. But now you, but you have a reference here to Peg having smoke. Like, in other words, Al never smoked in the house. It was only Peg. So he's just talking about not having milk. So he was using Peg's cigarette carton. So at least, you know, it is a... A, it is a it is a true callback because we do know that Peg smoked. Mm-hmm. And we talked about how they're trying to be more, showing some more continuity in season eleven. But I mean, it's too little, too late at this point. But wait a minute, you got to remember because uh, Uncle Dudley says, "How's Freddie doing anyway?" Princess Kelly fired him. Says Bud, "Oh my God, how we support Frida and the tadpoles." Right. <laughs> yeah, you got to go back and say Puppet Island. So, yeah. Uh, I'm sorry. What was that? Or, pardon me. Bud said, you have to go back and say Puppet Land. Puppet Land, right. Yeah. Puppet Land, pardon me. So, anyway, so now we go to scene six, which is the bedroom. You know, Al, when I said I wanted you on top of me, this is not what I had in mind. (laughs) You're never satisfied, are you, Peg? Oh, yeah, I'm satisfied sometimes. You're just never around to see it. These beds are comfy. Mm. That's nice, honey. Let me rock you to sleep. (laughs) You know, you were right, Al. Bunk beds are fun. And I thought this, what I thought at least was funny about this was seeing the bunk beds. Yes. Yes. Because, I mean, you go from twin beds now to the bunk beds. I thought that was funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> One thing that Annabelle points out is that there are two clips from this episode, which is Peggy kicking Al off of the, t- of the bunk bed and Al flipping Peg off of his back. They were featured in the montage at the end of Breaking Up is Easy to Do Part 3, which aired first but was filmed after this episode. So, in other words, this episode... A Babe in Toyland was actually filmed first. Then the Breaking Up is Easy to Do trilogy was filmed after this. So two clips from this episode appeared in the in that. But, you know, the we, the audience, we didn't see the actual clip until that until after Breaking Up is Easy to Do, if that makes any sense. <laughs> that doesn't, but anyway. Yeah. All right. So now we go back to the set of Uncle Dudley's playpen, or really, more precisely now, uh, Princess Kelly's castle. A lot of K's there. Right. <laughs> but she was collecting more K's so she could buy a car. If you remember, <laughs> there was an episode where she wanted to buy a car and it was going to cost 30,000 K's or 8,000 K's. So she was collecting K's. When she called them, they said, well, it's 8,000 G's. And she says, well, I don't have that <laughs> letter. What are you, a fool? Well, 
Yeah. I said I wanted only purple M&Ms. Purple, royal. But they don't make purple M&Ms, Kelly. Kelly? Your Highness. <laughs> you know, Uncle Dudley was always nice to the fools. I am nice. You know, if I was a prince, I'd be a perfectionist, but because I'm a princess, I'm a bitch. We start out with Kelly telling the fool, I said I wanted only purple M&Ms, purple royal, but they don't make purple M&Ms, Kelly. And I just have to point this out. You think for content, well, pardon me, I'm talking about continuity and Mary with Children again, but Kelly recently referred to M&Ms as W's and W's. Yeah, correct. <laughs> So, Chris, you want to tell us about purple M&Ms? Because actually they weren't a thing when this episode was filmed and aired, but they became a thing later. Absolutely. In early 1995, Mars ran a promotion in which consumers were invited to vote on which blue, pink, or purple would replace the tan M&Ms. Blue was the winner with 54% of the votes. It replaced tan in late 1995. In 2002, Mars solicited votes in their first ever M&M's Global Color Vote to add a new color from three choices, aqua or turquoise, pink, and purple. Purple won and was featured for a limited of time. To help the colors get votes, Ken Schrader and his MBT Motorsports team, who was sponsored by M&M's at the time, ran four paint schemes during the 2002 NASCAR Winston Cup Series season representing the promotion one for aqua one for pink one for purple and another another one with all three colors on the car specially marked packages of m&ms were released in japan finding a bag of all purple m&ms entitled the customer to a prize of 100 million yen which is equivalent to approximately 852,000 us dollars right well that was you know t uh, these notes were done before inflation <laughs> so <laughs> That's probably, uh, you know, $1.6 million at this point. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> or actually the other way around. Uh, Four, three. <laughs> Welcome back to Princess Kelly's Castle. Oh, look, I think it's time for the Royal Milk and Cookies. Here comes our old friend, Bobby Beaver. Mmm, <laughs> yummy. <laughs> Woo! Hi, Princess Kelly. Frederick, what are you doing here? I invited him. Excuse me, Uncle Duty, but I'm trying to do my show. That's Uncle Dudley, and it's our show. But we'd love to share it with you. Yeah! Uh, kids, sharing is for losers. This is my show now. <laughs> hey, what are you doing? What are you doing me for? He's the one who just went to the funny farm. Princess Kelly, that wasn't very nice. I have too nice. <laughs>
Uncle Dudley. <laughs> Thank God you're back. Starting tomorrow, everything's back the way it was. Not so fast. <laughs> My client is entertaining several offers and we'll get back to you. Wait, 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 whatever they're paying, we'll double it. That sounds like a happy thought. <laughs> Here's another one. Budrick, you're fired. <laughs> Kelly, effectively, is... The spotlight is put on her because Uncle Dudley, I guess, is... He went away for a rest. Is that, the, is that what you called it, uh, Stephen? Yes. Yeah, so he's, he's rested enough that he's sane to be able to talk to Kelly and talk to the kids. And so she is the um, uh, the raving bitch, I guess you might say. So yep. uh, so they have to bleep her out, and she gets taken away. i got to point this out real quick, though. A little bit of trivia for you. I, I couldn't help but notice, but at one point, Kelly, before she has her breakdown, what she does is she... Uh, where was that? I thought I put a note in here about it, but there was a, uh, she got mad at somebody and told him to leave. And the person was wearing this green costume. And it looks very much like the same green costume that Ed O'Neill wore in the episode, Take My Wife, Please. Remember when, uh, oh, yeah, when he was, the, when, were, he, when he was the mighty stegosaurus. Yes. Uh-huh. I mean, it looks like the exact same costume. Yeah, which would make sense. Yeah. Uh, you know, we also have like a, a, a an adult Bobby Beaver, I need to point out, who uh-huh. uh, seems to, uh, Kelly seems to like. And again, like this is like a very cheap version of Kelly Does Hollywood, you know, which we talked about at the beginning, you know, because that's what like she would have done. And even like when you hear the guitar playing, it almost sounds like Joni and the Slashettes. And now I would like to introduce our band, Joni and the Slashettes. One, two, three, four. Soda! Do you believe that they wrote that in the elevator coming up here? The mind wobbles, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, very, very close. So, like, you know, all's well, I guess, that ends well in terms of this episode, which to me is not the formula of Married with Children, because it's like Uncle Dudley's back, Bud made some money, right? And Bud says to Budrick that he's fired. Mm-hmm. And we now have a final scene, which usually goes, we have like the cut through when Al says, Don't go away, we'll be right back. Now, that is something that was also added in season 11 it's like it's not just the cold opening but usually if they're going to have like a final like minute scene it's usually preceded by that by 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 ed o'neill and i'll probably say that when we go to uh, our commercial break uh in a few minutes but um yeah i i don't know like at this point i don't see anything redeeming in terms of a married with children episode here right i mean usually there's gonna the the Married with Children formula is that there's usually a twist that you you don't see coming. But this is very much a traditional sitcom at this point, don't you think? Yeah, yeah there's no payoff. Definitely. Yeah. And that that's my complaint at this point. <laughs> anyway. I have a lot of complaints. All right. Well, we'll get to that when we get to our ratings. 
So the yeah. final scene now is in the bedroom, and we have Al, Peg, and Kelly in the bed. <laughs> is it time for my pain medicine yet? Quiet, Al. I'm trying to watch Uncle Dudley. Thanks, kids. It's great being back. And I owe it all to Bud Bundy, the best agent in Chicago. <laughs> I can't believe they picked Uncle Doody over me. Well, in Uncle Dudley's defense, they can pay him in cheap gin. Darn you, Bud. You ruined my career. Oh, now, now, young lady. Bud represents stars. You're just an expired cheese. <laughs> yeah, someday the girl will get married, the boy will move out. Peg won't be able to make it up the stairs if I loosen a few floorboards. <laughs> I'll have my bed all to myself. Someday I'll be that lucky. <clears throat> and Al, because he had been flipped off the bed in the last scene with uh, Peg on the bunk bed, he's asking for his pain medicine. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, Kelly's pissed off. Because, uh, and, you know, at least Al throws in a zinger. He says, you know, well, in Uncle Dudley's defense, they can pay him in cheap gin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and look, what they say is like, well, young lady, Bud represents stars. You're just an expired cheese. I mean, I guess they tried to tie it back to the beginning, but, you know, that's it. And then Al has his inner dialogue. He says, you know, someday the girl will get married. The boy will move out. Peg won't be able to make it up the stairs if I loosen a few floorboards. And I'll have the bed all to myself. And then he just says, someday I'll be that lucky. And then all of a sudden, it's like Lucky jumps on the bed, growls at him. That's it? Yeah. Yeah, I have that in my notes. That that, that ending with Lucky was really bad. <laughs> you, you know, and I'm just going to say what Al said. Don't go away. We'll be right back. <laughs> no, ma'am. We'll be right back to wrap up this week's review. Be sure to join their Facebook group page for all the podcast news and updates. Be sure to subscribe to them on the Apple Podcast app and please leave a review telling them what you think of the show. To subscribe to their YouTube channel, just go to Channels and search up Married with Children Podcast. Join their Patreon and support your favorite podcast with a small monthly donation. You can email them at marriedwchildrenpodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for checking out this review. And we're back. All right, so Chris, how many mm -hmm. purple M&Ms do you rate this episode? Well, uh, you know, I, I thought long and hard about this. And, and first, I'm going to name a, a few of the negatives. Uh, and I'm only going to name a few because I don't want to be a negative Nancy and, or be a blowhard and go all night. But... First, first and foremost, there's no Marcy or Jefferson. Uh, we talked about that already. Uh, you know, you've got two of your six co-stars missing, so that's uh, right off the bat. That's not a good thing. <laughs> the the second thing I'm going to mention is there aren't really any home run jokes in in this episode, and and I guess I'll use the baseball analogy that I've used a lot in season eleven. One of the one of the issues in a lot of episodes in season 11 is they have home run jokes, but they don't really have the base hits to tie them together. You know, mm -hmm. baseball games are won by singles and doubles and, and walks. 
Well, this episode has a handful of, of jokes that make me laugh, but there's not really any home run jokes that knock it out of the park. You know, like you know, we pointed out the cheese thing was goofy and corny, and they tried to tie it into the end at the end, but it just didn't work. You know, the 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 Ken doll joke at the beginning with between Al and Peg, yeah, it was kind of funny. I got a chuckle, but you know, as as Luigi mentioned, it's it's kind of a tired joke that we've heard many times before. This episode just didn't have any home run jokes that knocked it out of the park for me. And then another thing, something Luigi just mentioned, is the ending. There's no real payoff at the end. You know, when I think about some of the some of the really great episodes of, of Married with Children, you know, back when Married with Children was in its in its heyday, uh, you know, uh, like Al jumping out of the plane at the end of uh, uh, I can't remember the Mystery name of Skull Island. Yeah, Mystery of Skull Island. When Al jumped out of the plane, that was hilarious. Like that's one of the best endings in the show's history. Like you can you can mention that, and any Married with Children fan knows exactly what you're talking about. He, he goes. You know, for a million dollars, I'd never jump out of a out of a perfectly good airplane. Al, you just land on Kiss the Neighbor, <laughs> and the next scene is him jumping out of the plane. And then you compare that to this. Al's day, Al's thinking in his head, and then he mentions the word lucky, and Lucky jumps up on the bed and growls at him. Really? <laughs> That's the ending. Lucky jumps up on the bed and growls at him. <laughs> like there just was no payoff in this episode. I guess I'll, I'll, I'll mention a, a few positives. Some of the episodes in season 11 and even the latter half of season 10, I've used the word cringeworthy. Uh, like uh, w one of the episodes in particular that I, that I beat on a lot is uh, Barely Men. Uh, that episode was cringeworthy. Uh, this episode is not that bad. The dialogue's not terrible like in that episode. So this isn't an episode that I avoid, so to speak, but it's certainly not one that I look forward to. <laughs> I was looking over my past rankings. I try to stay consistent. Like I try to, I, you know, I, I use the, I use the spinoffs as the baseline. I gave the spinoffs all ones. Actually, I gave Radio Free Trumaine a 1.5. I gave the other two spinoffs a, a one. So I you 1. gave Radio Free Trumaine a higher rating than that. I think I just gave it a 1.5. <laughs> hmm. uh, but so I gave that a 1.5. That's that's the baseline for me. And then I gave Barely Men a two. Uh, and then looking at some of the episodes, looking at some of the other episodes, I gave Trash a three. I know that's not a popular one, but I, I like Trash. And I feel like this one is nowhere near as good as that. So I'm going to say this is in between Barely Men and Trash and give it a 2.5 Purple M&Ms out of five. And I feel like that's being awfully generous, honestly, but I'm going to I'm gonna go with a 2.5. Okay. All right. So, Stephen Bartholomew Scott, how how many purple M&Ms do you rate this episode? I'm going to give it two purple M&Ms. And I think I've explained a lot of things why I'll be a little bit more negative, bring out its negatives, because I don't find much positive in this at all. I agree the jokes are, there were a few good jokes, not many, but a few. I thought the plot was just i don't know how to describe the plot it was just too inconceivable sorry inconceivable like uh Bassini would say tyler's affecting me and i'm starting to do trying to do impressions now <laughs> anyway <laughs> but 
to me, the biggest problem is Christina Applegate's performance. I mean, it's obvious that she is officially checked out. And I don't think she wanted to be a part of it to a certain extent. I didn't find her performance credible in a couple of manners. I've already discussed that. That was the biggest issue for me, was her performance. It It's not Kelly. I don't. I didn't buy it, and I didn't find the B plot of Alan Pegg's beds all that, you know, funny. And then you talk, Chris. You talked about the ending. I mean, you can even go back to season nine and find some pretty good pay callback uh, endings, like uh, Ship Happens Part Two. They get rid of Gilbert Godfrey, but at and then at the end, Al tells Pegg no more contests. The doorbell rings. You open up the door. Hello, my name's Gilbert Gottfried, and you just won. And Al slams the door. I thought that was a great payoff joke. And I could think of even some in season 10, but this was just God awful. One of the worst things you can do, I think, as a writer, you know, I'm an amateur writer. I've published a few things here and there. And that is to leave off with a weak ending that no one remembers. You got to come up with something that the audience will remember. And this one doesn't have it. So two purple M&Ms. All right. So, you know, I, I don't think I can add much more commentary to what either of you have said or some of what I've said in, in it. But, you know, just to give you a sort of a rundown, one of my complaints about later seasons, particularly season 11, is that one of the hallmarks of season 11 are the cold openings, those endings like sort of, you know, Ed O'Neill saying, don't go away, we'll be right back. And lots of scene changes. So uh, with the cold opening, you actually have nine scenes in this particular uh, episode. Ten sort of if you like sort of transition from when they're watching Uncle Dudley's playpen on TV and then like you sort of see them on screen uh, that was like maybe the fourth or fifth scene in there. So a lot of like small vignettes, they're not tied together very well. And pretty much like what you guys said, it's like there's no real payoff. I think some of the things with Married with Children that I, I love is that usually the endings are not predictable. You know, there was always like some, they always put some spin on the ball that I, I guess as you got to the end of the series, Maybe you could predict a few of them, like you could see it coming, but it always had some kind of a twist, almost like an impedent, right? That to me is the classic one. You know, you don't know that Steve and Al actually uh, had a conversation about, you know, making um, Marcy a Stepford wife, right? <laughs> yeah. uh, like, you know, and that's, sort of, and you can hear the audience screaming. Like, I think like what's always memorable to me is that there's a female member of the audience who's screaming. Uh, when that episode ends and they're like, you know, toasting each other with the beer. But this is a very standard. How, how can I describe it? You know, this is a very standard sitcom ending, which is not a hallmark of Married with Children, which is why I don't like it. And for that reason, I am only going to give this episode one and a half M&Ms. That's fair. Uh, this might be collectively. This might be aside from the spinoffs because I don't count those. This might be our lowest rated one. I'm trying to remember, 
uh, what, what did we rank? I know I gave barely men a two. I, I despise that episode. <laughs> well, I'm trying to remember what you gave that one, uh, Luigi. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, we've we've given some low ratings, but uh, <laughs> this is that. I mean, and listen. I mean, it's your point that you made about Christina Applegate. I don't blame her as an actress on this episode. I blame the writing. Yeah, it, it, it's you know you can't. I mean, Chris, you always say. I'm just going to quote you. You always say, you know, you. Uh, Good, you know, uh, good acting cannot replace bad yeah. writing, right? Yeah, no amount, no amount of good acting can make up for bad writing. Exactly from from, from the lips of the man himself. Exactly, and that <laughs> to me is the is the issue with this episode. And you know, you know and- I, I think they made a good attempt. Uh, and and it's like even the premise of this was very similar to me for Kelly Does Hollywood, which is a classic. Mm-hmm. You know, so I it's it's very difficult. To see it again, you know, and that episode, if I'm not mistaken, was one of the episodes that Larry Jacobson was a writer on. So, you know, and I feel like he has a great amount of sarcasm and that's what this episode is lacking. The sarcasm is really missing. And that's why I'm giving it a 1.5. You know, talking about the endings, the two that really pop into my mind that really just floored me was one is, uh, but I didn't shoot the deputy in season one. Yep. Because the, the dog is dead and Al has to come put the, and so he gives it to the trash man and then he wants to do a funeral for the dog. And at the end he's asking Peg, hey, this uh, crate feels like you're something in it. What'd you put in there? And she said, whispers, your bowling ball. <laughs> he starts crying at the end. And of course, Steve thinks he's crying about the dog. <laughs> but to me, the ultimate one was hot off the grill. Yeah. Oh. Because, yeah. <laughs> that was because, a great one. Yeah, you know the ashes are going to end up there. What really yeah. kills you is Steve's reaction when he finds out that the ashes were underneath, and he looks at it, smiles, and takes yeah. a big, huge test by bite. Yep. No, absolutely. And that's why it's the golden age for us, right? Yeah. That's the golden era of the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, and unfortunately, uh, this recently, fell flat. Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, and one last thing because we were Tyler and I recorded with Annabelle recently on. Uh, I can't remember if she was if we were talking about how to marry a moron or the desperate half hour, but we started reminiscing about those. And she says, when you're at this point of reminiscing, you know, you know, the show has really lost its edge when you keep reminiscing about the good old days. So that's it for this week's episode of the Married with Children podcast. Next week, Team Aerosmith, which is uh, Stephen and Tyler, will be reviewing Birthday Boy Toy. Al makes Peg stop her constant shopping by taking his credit card away from her and electrifying the phone so that she cannot place any orders. Meanwhile, it's Jefferson's 40th birthday, and he has to accept he's no longer a young man and Marcy may one day leave him. So, Marcy forces him to get a job, which he does, as the new aerobics instructor at a new health club Peggy wins a free membership pass for. Elsewhere, Gary hires Bud and Kelly to shoot a TV commercial for the shoe store. There is a role for a shoe salesman. Al forces Bud to hire him, but Al has no acting experience. So, thank you again, and tune in again next week. And just a little sneak peek, just like last year after we reviewed Enemies, we can only get better from here, and it will. Thanks, Stephen. You're welcome. And tune in again next week, as always.
Same Bundy time, same Bundy channel.